0: We praise you, God, because you are holy. We long this morning as we prepare to hear your word that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would not hear and listen only with our brain, but that what you have to say would travel the distance from our brains and our eyes to our heart and transform us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. We are going to be in First Thessalonians this morning, chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 17. If you would turn there with me. And I will begin in 17 and read through the end of chapter 3. And then... We will hear what it is that God wants to speak to us. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord at Jesus' coming? For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us. As we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. If you don't have a Bible, I didn't say this, but Dick would gladly get one to you. So if you want to put your hand in the air so that you can follow along, he will hand one to you. Um, I want to say this morning, there's really super good news. There's really, really good news. We are in the week of Thanksgiving, and I couldn't help that as I studied this text, that the good news is throughout this text. And I was humbled by the word this week, as I generally am, but I think even more so humbled by what it is that God says, and I want you to hear this. This is good news. It's good news for you and I, who are in Christ. And later on, the good news for those of you who may not be, but there's good news. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Amen. That is good news. Something to be thankful for. The question before the church this morning is this. What will he find upon his return? Will he find those who gather here to be those who belong to him? Will he find a religious people living as though his sinless life, his substitutionary death, and life-giving resurrection mean absolutely nothing? Will he find a people drawn away from the message received by the temptation of the devil? Will he have an enemy who wants to prevent? We do. We do have an enemy. Don't don't we? It's pretty present. It's pretty prevalent in our lives. We we sense that, right? We have this... Enemy He wants to prevent us from believing If it doesn't work If he hasn't tempted us away from believing If it doesn't work He wants to destroy our initial interest in the gospel And he often does this through affliction and persecution And if we have not been planted in good soil We will be blown away at the first sign of trouble And if that doesn't work he will draw us away from the simple devotion and allegiance to Christ with a pure heart. He'll draw us away to an allegiance of something else. Christ desires that He find you, that He find me, that He find us, not perfect, not famous, but faithful. It has been my prayer for this church and for myself for months and months and months. What do you want to be? What do you want the church to be? What would you like the community of believers around us and non-believers around us to say about the church that gathers together at Carleton Community Church and it's one word, faithful. What I want to be said of the ministry of the word that God has given me Faithful. Amen. Not perfect. Not necessarily a good preacher. Faithful. That, that God at his coming would say, Jeff was a knucklehead and he had a lot of problems and he made a lot of mistakes, but that guy was faithful. That guy was faithful. That's what I hope for us and what I hope for me. Well, Paul's letter here to the church at Thessalonica its written to believers. It's a letter of encouragement, and a letter of exhortation. As I study this this morning, something comes to my mind that this whole thing, this whole message, this whole text hinges on one small and very mighty word. And that mighty, small, powerful word is if recall from what I was reading this morning, we look at three eight. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. If you and I can confidently say, I am a faithful follower of Christ. Yes, I have been transformed by Jesus' sinless life, His atoning sacrifice, His life-giving resurrection, By faith, by faith, I believe, and I hope that you do too, that that changes everything. That that changes everything for you and everything for me. And if you believe, then there are a few things about you and about who you are in Christ that will help you stand fast and be found faithful in him at his coming. That's Paul's encouragement in this letter to us. And it was his encouragement, Christ's encouragement as I read this, right, and what he convinced me of, that that was his encouragement to me, is I have some things in this book that will help you stay faithful and be found faithful at my coming. So that is my heart of what I think we should be able to pull out of this text this morning. Let's look back at chapter 2, 17 through 20. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul's desire is to find them faithful, to find the church firmly established in Christ. Some commentators have speculated that the Thessalonians may have been losing heart because of Paul's absence in their time of trouble. And Paul says that although I have been prevented to be with you face to face, it is my great desire to see for myself that what I hear of you is indeed true. I have heard of your faithfulness to Christ. And I have eagerly fought to confirm that in you. Please don't mistake my absence for a lack of care for you. After all, I boast in nothing less and nothing else that at Christ's appearing he find you faithful because this is my hope This is my reward, and this is my joy, Paul will say. Is that not an encouragement to say that the one who proclaimed the truth of the gospel to you says to you, you know, the only thing that I hope for is you to be found faithful. The thing that I count as a reward to me is that you be found faithful. The thing that brings me joy in my life and ministry is that you be found faithful. Faithful. And I want us to think about something that, that, that I pulled out of this text this weekend It was this is let us, not, let us assume The best Of those who are charged with our care We must pray to God On behalf of those appointed over us in the Lord The enemy wants to prevent them From investing in our growth Distracting them from, from what matters most to them You You who are their hope and their joy in Christ. You who, by walking firmly in the faith, are their reward at Christ's coming. My prayer to the elders at Carlton Community Church is that we would have this heart for you always. That that would be our heart for you. And the reason why this really jumped out at me this week is I remember a time when I was in another church and our pastor had a really close-knit group of friends and he spent a lot of time with them. And my wife and I and my kids, we were really faithful, right? We were faithful to church week in and week out. But it seemed as though I never had any communication with him face to face. And I thought, "Ah, I don't matter to him. I assumed that I just wasn't his type of guy. And that he wanted to invest his time in people who were like him. And it was the furthest thing from the truth. And I really didn't know it until the day that my family and I told him that we were leaving. That we were moving back to the valley and away from the coast. And we'd been there seven years. And then he expressed his deep love, devotion, and prayer for us. Communicated that his prayers were daily, constantly... For us, and so as I thought about this text, I thought, let us assume that, right? Let us assume that of those who are in our charge. I hope that you can assume that of me and assume that of our others here at this church. Is that our heart? Is that we would find you faithful, and that our prayer is that you would, you would be faithful at Christ's coming, and that gives us great. Joy is me great joy. Chapter 3, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Paul says, I can bear no longer not knowing personally of the work of Christ in your life. So I was willing to go alone and send my coworker in the gospel to you. Here's a point of personal conviction for me and one that maybe some of you also struggle with. If we are prevented in the ministry God gives us, help us, God, release the idea that it must be me who meets every need. Help us to be those that would empower others to meet the needs of the people that God and we care so much about. I know that when things seem to not really gel, not really come together, and the ministry seems to be stagnant, my heart goes to, you. I must do more. I'm prevented from doing what it is that I think God's called me to. I must just do more. And I think here, you know, Paul came across this, that he couldn't be there. He was prevented. The enemy prevented him from being there. That is also one of the things that you can pray for those who are charged of your care, is pray that the enemy would let them alone, that the enemy would release them to serve because that's what they want to do. But you know the enemy wants to keep them at bay. So to pray... That way, And also to pray that we would say, you know, it's not all about me, and I don't have to do it all. It's not all about me. It's about empowering other people. Verse 3. That no one be moved by these afflictions. He says, he comes to establish and to exhort them in the faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. Well, you might recall from our last study, last time we met, we ended with a point of identity for the Thessalonian church and for those of us gathered here this morning that are indeed faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And it's this, that the wrath of God has been satisfied for us in Christ alone. Paul would say, remember that for three weeks I reasoned from the scriptures the necessity of Christ's suffering for the wrath of God. For your reconciliation, I reasoned with you for three weeks. Not only that, I told you again, and again, and again, that the gospel you receive would be met with much, much personal affliction and much persecution. And it reminds him here, remember, that we have been appointed to and destined to suffer these afflictions. And that here comes good news. But, because the wrath of God has been satisfied, because the wrath of God has been satisfied, the suffering and the affliction that we go through is only goodness from the Father toward us that are in Christ Jesus. Our present sufferings pale in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. Because he starts out we ended that this text with Jesus is coming. Right? Jesus is coming. That is our focus, our hope, and our future. And in Romans 5, 3 he says, not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. I think about this text, and I think about how much I relate to Paul, because there's something that really disturbs me every single Sunday afternoon. Not on Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon, as I'm laying on the couch and i got my shoes off, and I feel like I just want to lay there and die, sort of exhausted, but there's, there's this thing that floods my heart, and it lasts all week long, it lasts all week long, is that I long to know if my preaching of the gospel to you has been in vain. Has the tempter prevented you from believing? Have you been drawn away from your interest in the gospel of Christ by the cares of the world? Has affliction blown you away because you received the word on rocky soil? Have you been drawn away in impurity? Have you been enticed to pledge your allegiance to something else? Or in addition to a simple allegiance to Christ? These are the things that trouble my heart and trouble my soul at the end of the week. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Timothy gives a report to the Thessalonian church. That that the Thessalonian church had indeed. Been taken root on good soil. This was a massive encouragement to the preacher. Right? Is that I preached the word to you. And it indeed was in good soil. And this is evidenced by your faith. By your love. And by your longing for fellowship with one another. Paul finds great comfort in this knowledge. And I thought about this, too. This for us as a church, and not just in a pastoral sense, but we sometimes need to pray, I think, and ask God to help us to find comfort in the fact that others around us are doing well. Sometimes we can be pretty cold, cold and, and distant from our fellow brothers and sisters and You know, when they're doing well, can we find great comfort in that? And then I ask myself, do I even see it? Am I even looking for it? I ask that God would help us to be a church that has a voice of encouragement and also a voice of exhortation. That those who are in trial and those who are suffering and those who are doing well, that our whole aim is exactly the same, whether you're doing well or you're doing poorly, is that we want to present you steadfast in love and in faith to Christ. Well, verse 8, we get to the big if again. Verse 8, we get to this big if. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. I was telling somebody this morning that I was summing up this text in a sentence this morning as I was sitting at the desk praying through this text one more time. I was like, if I could just say the whole message in a sentence, we could just go home. Okay? But I don't want you to go home yet. But we could just go home with this. Simple. I love you. You're doing well. How can I help? That's what God spoke to me from this text. Paul is saying, I love you. You are doing well. How can I help? How can I help further this along for you? How can I help present you blameless before God? At Christ's coming. Let's read verse 9 and 10. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and to supply what is lacking in your faith, if you are standing fast in the Lord, He says, "Now I know how to minister to you." That's Paul saying, "If you are, if if indeed you are standing fast in the Lord, I know what to do. I have longed to be with you, and I couldn't. I was prevented." And so I didn't know what I could do to help. And he says, but now, if you are indeed standing fast in the Lord, I know what to do. I can live in peace and without desperation. My labor of love is not in vain. And I cannot express my joy and thankfulness to God enough that I have found you standing fast in Him. And then he follows that up with, now, what can I add to you that would increase your faith? I found you faithful But now, what can I do to add to that? What can I do to add to your faith? That at Christ's coming, what he would say of you is, good and faithful servant, this is what I have found. Verse 11, now he's looking forward, Paul says, I've found you now, and now here's here's what it's going to look like for me toward you as you move forward in this gospel of faith. He says, Now, may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with His saints. Did you notice this? That Paul's prayers are the same as what his own heart's desire was personally. Because back back further, he says that his desire was that they would be established. He longed to see them, to find them, that they would be established in Christ. And then he says, my prayer for you is that in our absence, I want God to open the door and get us there. But while we wait for him, I want the Lord Jesus to direct us our way to you and that the Lord himself make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he, Christ, may establish your heart blameless and in holiness before our God, the Father. Paul's prayer to God for them is that God would direct their path clear the way that they might not be prevented from imparting to them anything that they might lack in their growth in the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That God would increase them in love for one another and for all people in their absence. That the Lord Jesus would establish their hearts blameless and that at his return, Christ would find them living in holiness. All that the Thessalonians are and all that we are as a church on the if of verse 8. For now, if you are standing fast in the Lord, the wrath of God has been satisfied. Then as those who have received grace, it has changed everything. That they have have not been blown away by affliction. They have not been drawn away by impurity. They have held fast to a simple allegiance to Christ alone as their Savior. So I asked some questions this morning. Has the message of the gospel made a difference? What has your response been? Has it been indifferent? Have you thought this? I hear the message, and I showed up, didn't I? If this is your response, the truth is, is that your heart has not been established by and through Christ's work. At his appearing, fault will be found in you. You will be declared unholy, unrighteous, before God and Christ himself will declare it. But I served. I say, I studied. You might argue. Well, Christ himself might answer you and he might say, where is the evidence that any of that was done in me? He might tell you this. That God's gift of grace has been presented to you. It's been presented to you by my life. It has been presented to you by my atoning work on the cross. By my payment in full on the cross. by By my resurrected life. By my prayerful intercession for you. Christ would say today to us, to you, who maybe have heard the gospel with indifference. It's not too late. The day is coming soon, and it could be this afternoon. It could be as we end that Christ is coming. How will he find you? How will he find you? Will he find you established in the finished work of Christ, Will he find me blameless in holiness? Because my life is surrendered and wrapped in the holy, blameless, sinless work of Christ. And because that grace has been bestowed upon me, it becomes the mark of my life, it becomes who I am. And God would come and say, We're faithful much grace has been given to you. And I can tell it's evidence because much grace flows from you. It's marked who you are. I think about all the ways in which I'm unloving to others, to my family, to my friends. And by a point of conviction, I must declare this, that if and when that happens, it's because I haven't fully understood how much Christ loves me. If I'm unloving, it's because I fully don't get how much Christ loves me, and I don't really believe it. Because if I believed it, I would be changed by it. If I fully believed it, I would love like He loves me. I think about times when I'm ungracious and unkind, And I know that it's because I haven't said, God, you have been so gracious to me. You've given me such undeserved, unmerited personal favor. that when those who trouble me, that should flow from me. Undeserved, unmerited personal favor to those that God has given us charge with in our lives. The grace of God, the fact that the wrath of God has been satisfied for us, that God was gracious to us, that God loves us. I hope that you hear this this morning, that when Christ returns, and it might be now, it might be right now, it might be at 11.15, that Christ could return right now. And I ask you, if, if you are standing fast in the Lord, what will he find at his return? Faithful men and women, faithful boys and girls. That's my desire. That's Paul's desire here, and that is Christ's desire for us. Can you imagine this, that, that, that Christ who died for us, right now all he does is pray intercession for us that says that when I return, my people will are going to be blameless, walking in holiness, faithful to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace and your love, your holiness. I thank you that you are blameless before the Father and that you present me as such. I pray, Lord, that you would work that into me practically, that you would instill in me a greater understanding of the grace that's been bestowed upon me, a greater understanding of the love that you have for me, and that would in turn look like how I love your people, how I exude grace to them, how I communicate your love and your grace to them. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us in that as we go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.